This is Cinema Spin. Hello, everybody. I am Matt. And I'm Jason. And welcome to a new episode of Cinema Spin. Another week, another show. Another week, another show. This was a tough week for a new movie. We had to kind of dig yes, deep. Yes. Uh, we had to dig deep. We had to go to the small screen. Um, a movie that started streaming April 1st. This is as uncurrent as we get. <laughs> has it been that long? It yeah. seems like I just started hearing about this last week, though. Yeah, I, I think it's buzz built over time. Yeah. But uh, I guess let's get into it, shall we? Okay. Our new film for tonight is Apollo 10.5. Apollo 10.5 was released on Netflix on April 1st after a brief theatrical run. The movie was directed by Richard Linkletter, who has also brought to the screen such films as Dazed and Confused, Boyhood, and of course the trilogy of Before films starring Julie Delpy and Ethan Hawke. Apollo 10.5 is an animated film, but it was created using a rather unique process. Some of it was filmed live action using minimal actual sets, and the computers were used to layer in the animation over the live action and of course fill in the additional background detail. The result is a look similar to an older technique called rotoscoping. In the story, we meet Stan, voiced only by Jack Black, looking back finally on this period of his family history. Stan is the youngest of six children growing up in the suburbs of Houston in late 1960s. Stan's father, in fact most of the neighborhood fathers, work at NASA, and the 1969 moon launch and landing act as a foundation for the story. Stan look back, looks back fondly at this time in his life as the launch date looms ever closer. The wonder of the space program is the driving force of the story, but the film is really about Stan's family and a look at life as a child growing up in the late 60s America. How'd you feel about this one, Jason? Um, alternate title, OK Boomer, the animated film. <laughs> okay. Uh, I was going to say, really long animated <laughs> really long animated episode of The Wonder Years. Exa- uh, the Wonder Years is in my, uh, is in my notes. Um, <laughs> So, uh, and look, any movie, any movie that starts out with, well, first of all, look, I hate people who start out sentences with look, um, but any movie that starts out with Donovan's Barabajaggle um, in its opening scene is is got me smiling. I'm on board. That hurdy-gurdy man comes in later, too. Yes. Little, 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 little Donovan. Uh, the problem is this very quickly turns into the sort of movie uh, that plays uh, Age of Aquarius over uh, f- footage of, of, uh, of the moon landing, right? And, and the space program interlaced in this. So this is really kind of two storylines kind of glued together. It starts out, um, you know, the title to, uh, Apollo 10 and a half comes from this subplot where uh, this 10 year old boy. How old is he? Uh, he's fourth grader. Yeah. Fourth. Okay. Yeah. He's a little, I think 12. Uh, he, you know, growing up in Houston, he is uh, uh, approached one day in 1969, uh, six, I guess 69 by, uh, by some men in black. And he's kind of dragooned into uh, being uh, the actual first person to go to uh, to the moon, right? So that's introduced in sort of this in this way that got me thinking of you know like a movie that Steven Spielberg would have been the executive producer of in like 1986 or something, you know? And I th- <laughs> you know, I'm like, okay, this is going to be some sort of silly kind of uh, uh, kind of kids movie. Very quickly, though, that is that subplot is like literally abandoned. He's like, Boom. Oh, well, let me, uh, let me tell you about something else. Right. And, and it becomes basically a 90 minute episode of, of uh, wonder years and rotoscope. Right. And so then what are we left with? What do we have here except for a very long list of all the granular details of what used to be 
normal, right? Remember, pull tabs on on beers of cans. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it's fine nostalgia. Um, yeah. It just it doesn't bring any new ground whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. It looks cool. It looks great. Yeah, it looks great. Um, um, I, I didn't see the... Uh, I, I don't see... This is some kind of new technique. Um, I don't see the really the difference or the advantage over rotoscope. Well, really. it's cheaper, probably. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think it's an easier process. Okay. You know, less less time consuming as yeah. well. I would imagine, uh, but yeah, it ends up being a very similar pro- you know, looking product. Yeah. Uh, my question is, the 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 storyline with him doing the going to the moonland, the ten and a half storyline or whatever, mm-hmm. is that meant to be in his mind? It's meant to be a fantasy, right? But even in the end, when they start talking <laughs> about you know the space pro- program going forward. Mm-hmm. You know, right, it still mentions how people right, have been yeah. on the moon and, right. one kid. and one kid. It still yeah. sticks to it at the end. I wish there would have been like a, a re, you know, a moment where he said, "Well, of course, none of this really happened," and yeah. it was just my way to to enjoy the we the do. Space program he does describe himself early on as a fabulist, right? That's um, true. So, so we are sort of, uh, sort of inoculated for it from that. But it is a strange. It does make for strange bedfellows because the, the mainline story is. It's living off of these very tiny realist realist details, mm-hmm. um, you know, like pull tabs on sodas or, or beers, like uh, uh, you know, kids uh, hungry in the afternoon chewing on rubber bands before you're <laughs> ready to get to dinner, right? So uh, the, that that kind of uh, of uh, reality is sort of d- d- just doesn't play well, I think, with this sort of other. Really, really underfed Spielbergian well, fantasy. There's just not the fantasies. Nothing. The fantasy part of the movie is is such a small part of it in the end. Right. It's like why bother? Right. Yeah. And that's just really how I felt and, watching this. And the, I mean, the the uh, kind of main another tip off that that that's all in his head is that his problems landing are just like the actual, just like right. The, you know, yeah. Uh, the actual problems I had. You know, and the the line where the, he says he got some. People down here want to take a breath, can we? You know, um, or is so, he just mentally ill? <laughs> <laughs> he could be mentally ill, <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I I didn't know what to make of this um, on that level. Um, I do know what to make of uh, this sort of fire hydrant of nostalgia for the 1960s. And you know where I'm. You probably can guess where I'm going. <laughs> I, can, with this. I, I can't. This guess. kind of thing is not my bag, right? Um, <laughs> So uh, I we had we had the Wonder Years fine. I thought that this this kind of nostalgia, especially for this period, had sort of gone out of style. That if you're going to look back on this time, uh, the kind of flag waving, uh, sort of smiling awe. Uh, you know, it, I mean, he even he even looks back fondly on. Uh, he even has a little bit of a nostalgia for for corporal punishment in in <laughs> in public schools. Right? Yes, yes. Um, so you know the. I really don't have any anything left for this kind of uh, nostalgia trip. Well, and, I mean, I think the, the point that he does make, and, I, and yeah. I think that it is important that he 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 makes the point of how insulated they were from most of the world problems. Yeah, and I think that that does happen. I mean, that's how I grew. That's how it's, you and it's I hard were to largely consider grew up your own nostalgia. Yeah, 
through the lens of all the other crappy shit that was going around in the world. It's it's hard to do that. Yeah, but that story. But the question been is, is how interesting so it is to hear yeah. it again. We've heard, but that story from that point of view has been told so many times. I don't disagree know? with yeah. that at all. It's that's um, my problem with this. Yeah, and I yeah. found it fairly watchable. I didn't like you know. Yeah, yeah. Hey, when they show Huey helicopters and they don't play Fortunate Son, you're already <laughs> ahead of the game one tick. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Also, there was never a tur- there was no turn turn turn. I mean, right. And there was some um less than obvious uh musical choices here yeah, some yeah. obvious ones but yeah. Uh, yeah this this just did not break a, a bit of new ground for me and that's that's where i think it and fails the, there's an irony in the fact that this movie is so wide-eyed and and unapologetically admiring the ambition of the space program yet it itself has no ambition at all <laughs> well, this is not this is not trying to bring any new well, angle I mean, to any well, of one this. problem is here is because i mean you know you, you look at like capsule reviews of this and uh-huh. it, generally it generally it's been pretty loved movie yeah yeah um i i think kind of me and you were kind of both students of pop culture mm-hmm. so this is feeding us nothing but things we already know right yes you know if we did, if we didn't experience it ourselves which definitely. a lot of this we did we and definitely not just, know about not the rest. just fed but force fed nostalgia for this era right right throughout the 80s and 90s and uh, when you do get, you know, when you do grow up and you read about that era, you realize that actually things were fucked up and people were worried about everything all the time. Yeah. And it's really easy for somebody. I mean, Linklater is uh, looking back. He's a little uh, uh, younger than this character. Right. Yeah, I guess he was he born is. in 1960. Okay. I mean, which still technically makes him a boomer. Right. But he's looking back. So he's he's a little bit. So I, I guess I guess that actually scans though. He, he could be nine, very, he could be nine or ten years old. Yeah, I think yeah. this kid maybe is twelve. Yeah. So um, you know, and he grew up in the the in Texas, obviously. Um, maybe he is more like nine or ten. Maybe yeah. maybe it is meant to be a yeah a stand-in for Linklater himself. It's just uh, I mean a movie that that you know we're, we're talking about the summer where within a three week period the moon landing happened, Woodstock happened, and the Manson murders happened, and all this movie has to say about that is gee whiz, yeah, <laughs> right? you know. I mean, the, the, uh, the Manson murders happened. <laughs> Altamont happened. Yeah, Alt- then a few uh, weeks. Yeah, then Altamont um, happened. Right. Um, the Zodiac killers going crazy in San Francisco yeah, during this period. Right. Um, yeah, a lot of crazy shit going on. Yeah. And um, um, yeah, and uh, it's there's something a little bit. I mean, this movie on the one hand, it comes across as so, uh, it's so eager to please, right, and so like aggressively harmless, right? Um, that how can I hate it? Well. Is it harmless though? I mean, this kind of this kind of nostalgia, uh, it's not healthy, right? Looking back on such a troubled period, um, from such an insular good old days, uh, f- with such insular sort of good old days fondness, I think is uh, it's not it's not good it's not good for us. I think we know by now. Similar it's not good to for your us. Belfast argument, I guess. It's yeah. Well, I mean, it's the same. Yeah, it's it's very similar to my Belfast argument. Although right? I, I guess by that standard. It'd be impossible to make this movie about any time period because there's always something, right? Well, it seems, you know, I was thinking about this tonight. Like, I guess don't, I guess all human beings sort of like fetishize their youth. You know, whenever you yeah, grow and there's up, always play. You look back fondly, but then again, no, you don't, right? I mean, there are an awful lot of people who had horrible childhoods, right? And it's yeah. great. It's great that we get to, um, you know, along with Belfast. I mean, it's great that we get um, another kind of. You know, I, I I hate to be this guy, but you know, uh, uh, tell these stories from another privileged white dude's point of view, and how oh, despite all of the horrible shit that was 
objectively going on all around me. I subjectively lived in this happy little world, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I anybody's had a... story is going to have the same problem, right? I mean, if we were to make this story, it's you know, it's the Cold War and, and yeah, uh, yeah, consumerism and and yeah, the, all this you know, stuff. the eighties and you know, yeah, you know, obviously, yeah. and you get back in the fifties, you'd have to deal with racism right. even more than you would in the sixties, or right. maybe not even more, but yeah, to yeah. the same degree at least, yeah, to the same, yeah. But this one in particular does feel a little bit. By tying it to the space program, it does it does make it seem awfully milk and cookies or whatever. Yes, yes, <laughs> right. Um, and it also, you know, I can't help but think again. I, I kind of don't want to be this guy, but like, I, you can't help but think like, who is who is laughing hard hardest at this? Who is the audience for this movie that is most into this kind of nostalgia? Right? And um, you know, I I, I don't want to like the same movies as those people. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs> By this movie being so um, political, so apolitical, so politically averse, uh, um, it ends up being, I think, uh, political in a way that it doesn't intend. <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay, that's fine. Um, I, I wouldn't, you know, I think you can tell stories from this time period. Yeah. You could tell, like, a love story in this time period and, and not code it with the blanket it with all the nostalgia uh-huh. and, and just, you know, keep would, it contained. Would they be singing? <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, it, yeah. It's just the way I, I didn't. I think it's just the way this, there's, this there's particular nothing, story is told. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with telling stories of this era, right? It just seems like I'm just very over sort of this approach to telling the story, right? And I, I think that's that's a fair point because um, it's been done a lot. Yes, just um, animating it doesn't make it fresh, right? And there's something there's something. I mean, masturbatory about this this sort of level of nostalgia, right? Um, now that said, yeah, you say as you say this, you know, uh, Linklater is such uh, has such a gift for for dialogue. Um, There's some great dialogue. Yeah, uh, that this is a very watchable movie, right? This this you know doesn't it's not a chore to watch, right? The char- some um, of the characters feel real for like being in a family, right? Yeah, the yeah. things they say aren't ridiculous. And- no, no, and, and and he does. I mean, he does a good job of capturing all of those details. Um, what, in particular, I want to shout out to like uh, being. Re- I always like being reminded as an adult that I no longer have to face the existential dread of Sunday evening facing Monday morning back to <laughs> back to the beginning of the school because that was like. That really was the feeling of death. That really was the feeling of growing old. <laughs> in 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 miniature, that was that is the feeling of being past your prime and seeing all the all the good times <laughs> behind you and facing um just uh, just uh, you know I let it com- ahead of I you. let I let it completely ruin every Sunday. Yes, I, I just, me just too. Dreaded the entire well, day. Uh, yeah, he talks about how you know the, the Sunday night programming, you know the uh, why, the world uh-huh. of Disney and everything, and about how it didn't matter. It didn't matter how awesome it was. Because it was Sunday night, right? I started early. I, yeah. I, as soon as I went to bed Saturday night, yeah. it was it was it Sunday was a bad days. day because yeah. it started with going to church. You know, probably half the time. Yeah, and uh, I didn't like that either. Yeah, we were Lutheran, <laughs> so we didn't have to go to church. Well, we were C and E's, Christmas and Easter. That's that's the way <laughs> so it would have been. The way it should be. Right, if you're doing it right. <laughs> we should point out that um, we have come full circle. Maybe once again, but we have come full circle back to Brewster McCloud and the Astro. Oh, the Astro. Because remember, <laughs> we Astro watched, World. Yeah, uh, yeah, we watched Brewster McCloud. And we were like, 
Was there like a theme park right outside of, of the Astrodome? Yes, yeah, Six yes, Flags there was. Yes, yeah. and it had exactly the same rides as Six Flags over Mid America did, <laughs> with a little bit different themes. Right. Yeah, so that, I, 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 I did think of that while I was watching this. Right. Now, here we go. <laughs> so yeah, for me, you know, like you said, watchable movie. Um, I think the animation adds a little bit to it. I did like the way it looks. It's it's bright and colorful, and mm-hmm. there's some some cool animation. I mean, just some things look neat with that technique applied to them. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was just well-tread waters that yeah. this thing, you know, wades in. You know, I, I watched this movie and I feel, you know, this. I mean, this feels like the sort of thing, you know, I say this about a lot of, you know, a, a lot of filmmakers of a generation. I feel it's, this, it's starting to feel this way more and more. I feel this way now about Paul Thomas Anderson and Quentin Tarantino and, and a lot of the, a lot of the, uh, those guys that peaked during, you know, the nineties, um, uh, you know, that this they're making movies now that feel like that it should take them a weekend to throw this thing kind of thing together right this feels like it's engaging maybe 30 percent of his of his talent you know um and and i, I the thing about to, tarantino though yeah. is the time that like the minutiae of making something to that detail takes yeah takes him more time than the actual writing of it and yeah to set up, you know, to set up a street where there's not one hair out of place as far as it looking like it was from 1969, yeah, takes a hell of a lot of effort, I would imagine. Yeah, and uh, some of the, a lot of that you don't end up seeing on screen. I don't think how much yeah. it takes, but that's well, maybe what he's into at this yeah, point. Yeah, 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 and maybe what I'm not into. Well, <laughs> right, right. that's that's fair yeah. enough. Um, yeah, I, I mean, we can say that. I mean, we could say that same thing about you know licorice pizza too. Also, the, the kind I, of I think you can that, say without that without yeah. a hair out of place, right? Um, and and I guess you, the there's a there's a theme here <laughs> with, yeah, the, with it, these uh, former Miramax uh, 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 wonderkins uh, that they're all sort of like uh, now creation of time and place has become more important than uh, plot and uh, story. Uh, yeah, but yeah, and and the creation of what time and place, namely the, the crawl them crawling back into the womb, in effect, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so. Um, yeah, so this is why, you know, this is why I can hate a movie like this, even though all this movie wants in life is to be loved, <laughs> and all it probably deserves in life is to is to be loved and or enjoyed and forgotten about, right? It's is because, um, I mean, this uh, this kind of nostalgia is toxic. I mean, it's it's re- it's bad for us, um, uh, and it is, uh, you know, it's ruining some of the uh, the best uh, minds of. Uh, of that generation. I guess maybe every director makes a movie like this sooner or later. You know, yeah, I guess. Uh, uh, you know, speaking of Spielberg, he's about to make uh, a movie about his, basically about his family. Oh, there you go. The <laughs> Meet the Freedmans or something like that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, talked about this before. Why is, when is the 90s nostalgia going to arrive? I mean, we've been through, you know, the Stranger Things inspired 80s nostalgia f- mode for a while now. Did right? Clueless say it all? We'd have to say anything else? <laughs> <laughs> right. I guess. Right. Exactly. Right. Right. I mean, it's probably a matter of time. Um, I guess so. It, it seems ripe, though. It seems, I, I, but maybe yeah, there's I nothing so. about the 90s that was, you know, I mean, maybe the 90s were too bland. Right. Maybe there was <laughs> for us anyway. There's, uh, you know, you know, slacker society maybe doesn't bode well towards. <laughs> right. Yeah. Achievements. I don't know. Who knows? But uh, yeah, I don't. I hardly. I, I can't find this offensive like you do. But I, I just see that it's not. Yeah. Not worthwhile uh, a this, whole lot. This strikes me in my Forrest Gump place. I thought it might. <laughs> and that's not a good thing. I thought it might. All right. Well, uh, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back after this. 
listening to Cinema Spin. And we are back on Cinema Spin. Take it away, Jason. It has been taken. Uh, <laughs> our random movie this week is 1987's uh, Tin Men, uh, written and directed by Barry Levinson. Um, Tin Men stars Richard Dreyfus as Bill B.B. Babowski, a slick, cynical aluminum sighting salesman in Baltimore who one day is backing his new Cadillac out of the dealership in 1963 and is immediately sideswiped by Ernest Tilly, played by Danny DeVito. Uh, Tilly happens to be a rival tin man, tin man whose entire life seems composed of an endless series of bad days. Um, these two gleefully petty men uh, yell at each other, then begin a game of get backs, which escalates uh, with escalating stakes, um, culminating with BB seducing Tilly's wife, Nora, uh, played <laughs> by Barbara Hershey. Um, along the way, we are treated to the details of a number of entertaining and incre- entertaining and increasingly illegal scams and confidence tricks the salesmen use to make their living, um, as well as the inane conversations over, over lousy diner food and old coffee that fills their days. Um, so uh, Barry Levinson here, uh, director of Diner, um, loves his diner settings, loves ba- the city of Baltimore, um, loves every detail. Uh, here we are back in the 1960s. Um, loves every detail of reconstructing 1960s Baltimore, uh, with the crazy glasses and the, the giant hairdos uh, and, and the hey huns, right? Um, beyond that, the, hear, the humor here is clearly uh, is a clear inspiration to the sort of Seinfeld, Larry David style of humor. Um, bad people behaving badly who seemingly never learn despite the fact that they are constantly exposed for being assholes. Um, and and humili- and <laughs> have their, their assholeness rubbed in their face. Um, so what did you make of this, Matt? Well, let me start by saying... I absolutely despise the fine young cannibals. Yes. Oh, yes. And this yes. movie leans hard into the fine young cannibals. It's, you would not expect a movie Who set in 1963. Who would good thing yes. by fine young cannibals was off the soundtrack to Tin Men by Barry Levinson. Right. That said, despite it, I enjoyed yes. watching this film. It was pretty funny uh-huh. at times. And uh, just a pretty fun, uh, pretty fun ride watching this. Um... What an interesting start to a love, a true love story. Right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I I love this movie. Um, I, I like th- it quite a bit. This joins True Grit and and Clueless as uh, among the the best finds of our of our little project here. Well, that's three me. tallies on the right. <laughs> that's three on the positive <laughs> column, right? Um, I I th- I would go so far as to say this is one of the better uh, American movies of the nineteen eighties. Uh, One of the better Levinson movies, yeah, too, yeah. That, that I've um, seen. I, you know, Diner was was Diner's good, fine. but I, but I like, but I, I, um, the trick here, uh, there is, there's really an amazing sort of tone that goes on here um, that it's hard to sort of describe outside of citing Seinfeld, right? Because the characters aren't that likable. The characters are very unlikable. Yeah. In fact, they're they're pretty they're pretty awful people, or they're they're both awful people. <laughs> well, they're all yeah, they're they're grifters. Yeah, uh, they're certainly. they're grifters. Uh, but what happens is that um, you know we're used to seeing in movies the setup for a movie a movie being somebody with. Uh, you know, a lot of spirit and a plucky attitude and big dreams sort of gradually coming to realize the, getting, way, the way the world is. Getting right? ground into the dirt. And right. Finally. <laughs> uh, you know, and there's various takes of comedy and drama on that theme, right? This, this kind of turns that around because these guys start out as professional uh, cynics, right? <laughs> and, uh, and gradually over the course of the movie, uh, they are, um, uh, they, they are, creeping into their lives is humanity and real genuine human emotion. Right. Yeah. You're, you're Um, right about that. And, uh, and that's, that's hard to do without feeling phony, right. Without it, without it coming off as, as, uh, 
without you realizing that the trick is happening, right? Um, with, with, uh, okay. It's hard to seem without it seeming like a gimmick uh, that's, that's kind of in your face about it. Um, but I think it feel it all feels natural here, right? Um, it feels like this is a movie that uh, very gradually exposes that it's it's not about um, it's not really that cynical. It actually has quite a big heart. Um, yeah, and, I mean, I don't these, know if it's characters uh, if it's completely believable that they leave in the same car, kind of having a conversation at the end. But you're willing yeah. to go there because of you know where these characters have come from, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, even when you know Tilly and his wife get a divorce and mm-hmm. they're or they know, they're going to divorce. Right. And it's you know, they know their relationship is over. They even have a couple sweet moments together after the fact. You know, right. they realize, well, where did it all go wrong? And they have this conversation. And you know, Dreyfus's character who wants to be this, you know, he's too old to be the swinging single uh-huh. guy. Right, yes. The guy who's the great dancer gets all the girls uh-huh. and doesn't think he's ready. But he's a great dancer. <laughs> you know, the great dancer. The guy. <laughs> and, you know, and all of a sudden he's the one who just can't live without this girl. He only right. met because he wanted to screw over this guy who hit his car. Right, right. And um, I just, I, I found it a pretty funny, fun movie to watch. And it's, and it's, there's some dialogue here that's funny. Uh, Levinson's really, really good about like creating these characters in a way that we really, on the one hand, we enjoy seeing them suffer, right? right. <laughs> you know, that it's uh, in the way that we enjoy seeing George Costanza suffer, right? There's a lot of Costanza in, in, <laughs> in Danny DeVito's performance <laughs> there is. character here. But at the same time, their, their suffering is always just at least a little bit more than maybe they deserve, right? <laughs> because yeah. I mean, yes, uh, you know these uh, the, these are bad guys, right? But part of the gag here is um, that that they're confidence men who aren't really fooling anybody but themselves, <laughs> right? right? And, and major and occasionally, once in a while, some some sucker, right? But um, but do they do they really deserve to be called in front yeah. of like a you know, like a tribunal, a tribunal, <laughs> like the homeowners association from hell, right? Like McCarthy style and sort of raked over the coals about what, uh, what exactly they said and when Yeah, right? they're getting what's coming to them, but um, you kind of, you kind of, you don't feel like they deserve it totally. Right. It's, yeah. It's, uh, some of the scams that they try are funny here, you know? The oh yeah. Is, the, the scams <laughs> themselves are, are the, great, the yes. lengths that they're willing to go to sell some siding. <laughs> right. Yes. Um, the, uh, telling people that you're, uh, Oh, your, your house is going to be the four picture. We're doing a spread for time magazine and your house, is going to be the before picture. We're going to take a picture of a house that has. A I don't want to be the before it. picture, right? And they're the the woman's then begging them to put aluminum siding on her house, right? But yeah, that's fraud. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's and the 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 dialogue, the the silly, the dumb dialogue about bonanza. Oh yeah, I thought that was funny. And it's all very. very uh, the, the one guy's obsessed with with bonanza. Right. Yeah. He that's almost to... Tarantino esque. That right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. When he's uh, wondering why, well, don't they ever get horny on the <laughs> <laughs> right. I, what is it about Danny DeVito that makes it so so much fun to watch him suffer? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, but he's really good. I mean, in the way that uh, you know, he played. Uh, I guess uh, his Louis, Louis on Taxi. His reactions to it is what it is. It's the same kind. Of, he's good, at, great at playing that that scumbag character who doesn't get away with anything. <laughs> he's constantly getting. Uh, you never gets away with anything, right? He was great on uh, on on Taxi, and uh, yeah, he's. Really, uh, really great in this. Um, Although, if you if you do owe money to the IRS, it's 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 not a good to hide from it because they will get you. Yes, these the IRS. <laughs> I, I mean, if there's one takeaway from this, well, first of all, don't buy aluminum siding from somebody who knocks on your door, right? <laughs> no, and, it's probably uh, not a good idea. Secondly, uh, pay your taxes, people. <laughs> 
it, it, it's it's it, it's fun though that like uh you know the the way that Cadillacs like uh, are such a huge part of this lifestyle. <laughs> I mean, as they say at one point, you know, I mean, Danny DeVito's character doesn't have a pot to piss in. He's got doesn't even have a house, <laughs> right? But he's got to get the new caddy. Yeah, he's talking about getting the brand new because newest of, Cadillac, right? Because you got to project a certain image and for what exactly for one sale every six months, maybe. Right. Yeah. You and know? most of the time it seems like they're kind of on foot when they arrive at these houses. Right. Like, yeah. Nobody's paying attention to what they're driving. Right. Yeah. It's, it's more like how they appear to the other tin men, you know? Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, who are just in the same spot they are. And they right? seem to have a lot of free time, time to go to the track and whatnot. And yes. Yes. Late nights, I guess maybe. <laughs> right. Um, and a lot of, uh, a lot of other notable names, familiar faces uh, pop up in this is John Mahoney, uh, who uh, was right. uh, Frazier's dad on Frazier, right, um, is, is uh, the sort of elder uh, salesman. He does um, this and uh, say anything in a couple of years, and, you know, right in the yeah, same uh-huh. same pocket of like two, two movies in a row here. And that's yeah. about the earliest I can I'd, really remember him. I'd, I'd forgotten he was the dad and say anything. Um, so in J.T. Walsh is, is Wing and, uh, and Bruno Kirby. Yeah, um, great, great cast in yeah. this. And then there's some lesser-known character actors that you know just from seeing a bunch of movies that uh, uh-huh. you don't know their names. You right, never yeah, know their yeah, names, they're... but they're always in some of these. Yeah, uh, some of the movies of this era. You know, a couple faces from uh, Goodfellas turn up here. Barbara Hershey is good in this, and I don't know that I've seen her in very much outside of, like, a Beaches. You know? Yeah, right. So it was nice to see her in something where she had something other to do than die. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert for Beaches. <laughs> Spoiler alert on Beaches. <laughs> um, for me, there's good music in this. Um, you know, I'm like a big big fan of uh, Finding uh, Camel of uh, Sinatra's "In the Wee Small Hours." You okay. know, that's one of the first concept a- albums in history. And uh, oh, really? Yeah, I'm, I'm big on that album. Hmm. It's uh, all songs that are themed, like uh, you know how you'd feel about a girl in the middle of the night and uh, regret and oh. stuff like that. It's you know, it's all oh. like you know things that would songs you would sing and listen to. Two three o'clock in the morning. It's all. Uh-huh. It's an album of themes like that. Okay. You know, and then a uh, little Nat King Cole at the beginning, which you never hear Nat King Cole sing a song unless it's that damn Christmas song. <laughs> and you forget how talented he was. And yeah. He, he was. He was talented. And 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 easy to listen to. So. Yes. I noticed that you know they there's so much Cadillac damage in this that some of it has to start happening kind of off screen. Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> right. They, <laughs> it's like they can't trash that many. Cadillacs. Yeah, their Cadillac budget is. Uh, <laughs> Um, but seeing all that chrome and all those cars line up next to each other is uh, makes me nostalgic for a time I didn't even uh, yeah, experience. Yeah, yeah. I mean, two movies uh, set in the uh, the sixties. Um, this is I mean, this, this is, is how to sh- this is how you make a sixties movie without you know you show it in the niche. And yeah. Now, you right. know, the problem with the other one is it's trying to be so all encompassing with culture. Yeah. That it feels like okay, well, if you're gonna if you're gonna take that many stabs and mm-hmm. you're gonna miss all the big problems. Right. Well, this yeah. is just like a slice of life, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. And and and, and it has a um, it definitely has a uh, a particular feel, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Levinson's really good at capturing the uh, uh, the feel of this working class. So what's Baltimore. considered like the Baltimore pictures? You've got this, you've got uh, obviously Diner. Diner. And then yeah. Liberty Heights, which I um, I feel like I saw that at one time, but I don't remember a thing yeah, about it. I don't it. I, yeah, Liberty Heights is not ringing the bell. But yeah, those are his Avalon is considered a Baltimore Avalon, picture, yes. Which I had I don't know that I've seen Avalon. Huh. Yeah. I think I have seen Avalon, but it's not making much of a... Both uh, those are sort of now kind of on my list of things to kind of check out. Yeah. uh, This is the... I mean, this is the first Barry Levinson... Barry Levinson's obviously a big name and and, uh, critically very well uh, well thought of. This is the first movie of his that I've really 
bonded with. Um, I mean, I like, you know, again, I like Diner fine, um, but Avalon, I'm sure I, I saw, but don't remember anything about. But this this uh, this sticks will stick out in my memory. Um, this is uh, I I really I really dug this movie. Yeah, uh, this was a, <clears throat> a surprise. I didn't know what quite to expect from this. Um, and and like I said, besides the. Uh, I've had a lifelong disdain of fine young cannibals because you can't understand what that dude is singing. Yeah, I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's uh it's it's certainly uh, gimmicky and anachronistic here. Um, I guess it they, they don't seem like a '60s. Don't seem like what you would hear at a club that these guys would go to yeah. in Baltimore in 1960. I don't know. It could have been like a jazz band or something, I guess. But you know, you think that wouldn't have such a strong vocal or a vocal you couldn't understand. Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I she from, drives me crazy. Yeah, from that ooh, to, ooh. from that era. I mean, I, I've always hated that song, and I was like, oh my god. That, and they play it quite a bit. That particular song? Yeah, Good Thing is Good the one thing, I really right. hate. Right. It's, it's the one that's featured in this movie quite yes. a bit. Something I noticed about this movie, like in the 10-minute point, is like the first time you see uh, Danny DeVito and his cronies in, in the in the diner for the first time. Mm-hmm. And uh, DeVito has a line that kind of clearly has an F-bomb bleeped out of it. There, there's definitely an a, uh, was an ADR moment. There's definitely a moment where he's says. He is uh, the mouth seemed like it later. said yeah. f and something, but okay. that was my that's my guess. Uh-huh. The, the dialogue's been redubbed there to be yeah. changed. It, it, it certainly. Um, I assumed yeah. it was an f bomb. Uh-huh. Um, maybe maybe that you know I can't can't take that to the bank. Uh-huh. But you know I don't notice that much of that stuff, and I didn't it was, that one I rewound and I was like, did I just? Yeah. So I, it, I noticed that. So maybe it could have been a ratings thing. Yeah. You know? the, uh, do we know what, what this was rated? Don't. Um, don't i rarely think of that kind of stuff anymore <laughs> but uh yeah i mean uh, famously i don't know if this is still the case but famously in that era if you were going to have a pg-13 movie you were allowed one f-bomb <laughs> right um and so uh maybe that explains you know could have been because i don't this, remember another one uh i th- i do remember another one because i i had a similar reaction it's it seemed like at another point that uh not that same one but uh, but there was another point where it seemed like uh, so he, somebody was about to say, say fuck. And I thought, huh, is this, are we not going to get any F-bombs here? That, <laughs> but so then I definitely remembered one later on, uh, Richard Dreyfus. So maybe it was so just trying so. to get the PG maybe and and, uh, and didn't. I yeah. Mean, or, or trying to get it and, and that's why it did that. Which is kind of strange because it's hard to imagine like a. You know, a fifteen-year-old digging this movie, right? <laughs> yeah, so this is clearly for. I guess, like in the early days of PG thirteen, though, maybe they were just you know scared of it at first, you know. Right. Yeah. That's pretty early on. You don't want to be R. You want to have it as broad. This is before, uh, you know. They didn't know how well PG thirteen movies were going to play yet, right? Yeah. Because yeah. this is right in the the pocket of when they first started. Mm-hmm. Um, um. Let's see. Anything else? I have any other thoughts on this movie? Um. I thought the performances were all fun. Yeah, nothing, nothing really struck out as something you know. Besides, obviously, the Fine Young Cannibals, which I you know can't say. <laughs> no. uh, but as far as anything I didn't like, not much, not much. Yeah, um, I think this this all worked really well. I, uh, actually, it was rated R, so they could have left in that f bomb. Hmm, so, so that makes strange. it even a little more yeah. head scratchy. Yeah. Um, What's R about this movie? I wonder. Yeah, I don't know. Divorce. Div- right, divorce. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> even though you right. know. <laughs> Half my friends' families were divorced at this point. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Yeah. It's a. I. It's sort of strange. Um. It is. So. And and, and it's definitely strange they would 
redubbed that. I don't know. Maybe he just blew that line or something. Yeah, like maybe that. there was they liked the take for some other reason and, and just uh, didn't like the way he pronounced a word or something. Yeah, yeah. I, I really conjecture on my part. Yep. Um, anything else? Uh, no. All right. See well, I guess, I guess we should look toward the future. Okay. Um, I believe our new movie next week is The Northman. Right. Yes. It's, the uh, uh, that that is a new movie from uh, from uh, Robert Eggers, um, yes. and it's a who's a sort of an art house uh, uh, filmmaker, uh, a promising young filmmaker. Yeah, he made um, the, the Lighthouse, right? Was his last. Yes, film. and and the Witch. Um, the Witch. I so have uh, so he makes sort of he makes very visually exciting kind of off kilter uh, movies. This uh, so there's no telling um, what this is going to be. This seems like it's maybe a little more mainstream. This yeah, seems it, like it little, seems maybe, like a little bit maybe like Ridley Scott territory maybe. Uh, so, um, nonetheless, um, if you yeah. were hoping we were going to do the uh, unbearable weight of massive talent, yes, um, you'll just have to wait an extra week. You have to wait an extra week. So we've got that uh, scheduled for in two weeks, and I'm excited yes. for it. I may see both of them this week. I don't know. Oh yeah, I'm gonna see. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if I see the one before the other. Yes. Who knows. Um, but we're, anyway, we're going to pair the Northman up with a uh, random movie, and we're going to select that random movie right now. Okay. There we go. All right. Well, we got a movie. Okay. We caught one. Okay. Damnation Alley from 1977. Damnation Alley. Yes. I think that's a like a post-apocalyptic travel movie. It sounds post-apocalyptic. Yeah. And it, Alley is in the name, so travel. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know much about it. Yes. But so uh, that, we're going to have to watch it. We're going to know everything about it. Well, will it, will it, you can learn from watching it. <laughs> will it creep into your heart like Tin Men? Eh, odds are I bet it will. I, I'm, I, I bet I'm going to love this movie just as much as I love Tin Men. <laughs> the randomizer on, on a roll. Exactly. Thank you, randomizer. Well, I guess that's going to do it for this episode of Cinema Spin. We'll be back next week with a brand new show. We'll see you then. Bye, Bye for now. Bye, everybody.